0: Hey, this is Randy Gage, and you're listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Hey, Prosperity Nation. i got a little change of pace for you this uh, episode. Uh, this is another uh, podcast where I was a guest. Uh, uh, I was a guest with Wendy Blum Weiss, and she just wanted to really explore prosperous thinking in general, and in specific, how to develop a millionaire mindset. So she has some really intriguing questions. So I think you'll hear some insights you haven't heard from me before because of the prompts that uh, she gave me. So hope you enjoy it. Have a, an amazing uh, time with it.
1: Hello and welcome to Redefine Yourself During Times of Uncertainty. I am your host, Wendy Blum-Weiss, and today's show is all about creating a millionaire mindset. We have a fantastic guest with us today, whose work I came across over 10 years ago, Randy Gage. So Randy Gage is in the house. Welcome, Randy.
0: Hey, great to be on the show.
1: I'd like to jump right in and ask you, I know you dropped out of high school and you went from having nothing, you went from zero to building a multi-million dollar enterprise as a speaker, as a coach, as an author and as an entrepreneur and what that backstory looked like and how long it took you to get there.
0: Well, that's, uh, we could go a lot of directions with that. Um, it's true. I I think with social media has now accelerated that trend that you're describing here where it was pretty safe to say, well, if, if you worked in the corporate world and you got laid off, then you were the next consultant, right? So that's where all the consultants came from. That's everybody who got fired by their company, right? But, uh, now, with like Instagram, every and even TikTok, everybody is an influencer now. So um, and so you have all these life coaches and personal coaches and success coaches and prosperity coaches. And a lot of times they're good at Instagram stories, but they may not necessarily be good at whatever they purport to be a coach on. So there's a little danger of that. Same with speakers, right? Everybody who's everybody who heard Tony Robbins or Les Brown or whoever things, I could tell that story and I could tell Zig Ziglar's jokes as good as he tell better than he tells them. And so, uh, they want to be speakers, but it's, these are, these are professions that you have to nurture and hone your craft, right? Uh, I've written 13, well, I've written 14 books now, right? 13 have been published. Number 14 will be out next year. All 13 are book, are bestsellers, right? I've sold millions of copies of books uh, in 25 different languages, right? So 13 books, but I would tell you the first ones I wrote were shit. And the last few I wrote were brilliant and I don't have any compunction about claiming to be brilliant. They're brilliant, my last books. And this next one that's coming out in 2021, uh, it's like made for your podcast because the title is called Radical Rebirth, and it's how to kill off the old version of you and create a new one, right? Um, But, you know, I look back on my first book and uh, unfortunately, the first one, it sold about 2 million copies in a lot of languages, And uh, so it's had a lot of editions. So I was able to read, you know, there was a second edition, a third edition, a fourth edition, right? So I was able to clean it up. But if I, you know, someone comes up to me and they're holding the original first edition, I'm like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing what I wrote, right? Um, But um, it still had value. I'm still proud that I wrote that first edition of the first book because I didn't write it until I had been working as a consultant and speaking and working with companies for about five years. So I had some experience had developed some IP intellectual property that I could include in that book. Right. As a speaker, um, I just, I, I started by doing public seminars and I had been working in direct sales, leveraged sales, and um, the company I was working with had a big lawsuit brought against them, and a lot of stuff came out in, in court records that was like not good. And I was like, you know what? I can't be associated with them. I'll just, and I had been really good at training my own team. So I said, hey, I could train teams for any company, right? So how hard could it be? So I resigned from this company that I felt ethically wasn't matching who I wanted to be, and I started doing public seminars. And um, here's the deal. I made 300,000 my first year. I made 660,000 the second year, and I broke the million dollars in the third year. So that sounds really sexy on the surface but what everyone who's considering something like this should know is that that first year with 300 and change in in revenue i probably lived on $11,000 and just put everything back in the business this was pre-internet so it was direct mail was how you promoted center so i was renting mail lists printing brochures and paying postage and mail houses tens of thousands of dollars a month right so i just put and same thing second year six hundred thousand sixty um i maybe i lived on thirty thousand dollars and then by the third year i was able to live you know at a pretty nice lifestyle because i had built enough income but if you're looking at that you've got to be willing to invest that's what i would say you know based on your original question what is the thing people should really know Yes, it's really easy to get uh, 5,000 likes on an Instagram post. It's not so easy to get 5,000 people to reach over, pick up a credit card, (laughs) and put it in the site and send you money, right? Yeah, yeah. If you don't want to, you know, raise skinny children, you better have a way to transform your expertise and your knowledge into income that allows you to feed your cat and feed your children.
1: (laughs) Well, so I love that you gave us a timeline. And so let's talk about mindset. So what was your upbringing like? Was it positive mindset? Was it no way, Jose, like the opposite of that negative mindset?
0: Horrific in terms of mindset. You know, my family, our official family motto is we put the fun back in dysfunctional. (laughs) Okay. I mean, just craziness I come from in my family Uh, and very lack-centered and beautiful people. I love my family and I love how they have evolved, right? My mother was a single mother who raised three kids, knocking on doors, selling Avon. You know, not like today with on Facebook. I mean, she literally was knocking on doors. And she did an amazing job to raise us in very difficult circumstances, right? Uh, But my family overall, I mean, we were just, and I was the same way, just programmed. We always expected the worst thing to happen. We always thought good things were for other people. I mean, I was, I spent the first 30 years of my life self-sabotage in everything I did because I had uh, worthiness issues that I didn't know were there.
1: So how did you, so how did you change that around? Like, how did you then figure out that you were self-sabotaging?
0: Well, um, I had a, opened a business, it failed. I did a second business around when I was 30 that was seized by the IRS and they auctioned it off to pay the tax overdue taxes. Uh, I had 11 negative dysfunctional relationships in a row. I was having a lot of health challenges. And at some point when you keep, you know, bad things happen to everybody, right? It really is a random meteorite could land on your garage and, and smash your Bentley. Okay. But when it's consistent, okay you have to ask the question that i asked myself which was okay in all of these health challenges and business failures and crazy dysfunctional relationships was there one person who was always at the scene of the crime (laughs) you know I didn't like the answer to that question but that's the question i needed to ask myself so that's when i turned it or you know started to turn it around because i recognized the role that i was playing in that right we we all i don't want to affirm for other people in my case i loved to to wallow in victimhood right i was a professional victim and My ex did this, and the government did that, and the economy did that, my business partner did that, and I was just this poor innocent victim who kept, the universe kept conspiring to do all these bad things to. And when I asked that question, that's when really was the wake-up breakthrough for me to say, you know, I have a lot more influence and input, and responsibility in what's happening with me than I like to admit.
1: Well, so awareness, so you had that awareness was key. And to talk about mindset. So first, did you ever set a goal from 30 and below? Because it sounds like, you know, that's about when you started to make that transition, where you said, I want to be a millionaire, like, I'm going to set a goal to be a millionaire.
0: Yes, it's fascinating story because I set that goal when I was fifteen years old in a jail cell for armed robbery. So to give that's me- where
1: that, that idea came to yes, set that at goal. At that wall.
0: age, at 15 years old, because even before I went to jail, but I was affirming that in jail. Um so that's it was interesting when you introduced me, you said he went from zero to multimillionaire. But that's not true. I because I I needed to like when they when they took my restaurant and auctioned it off, I was fifty five thousand dollars in debt, which at that point in my life would be like a hundred million dollars in debt right now. Right. Um, So I needed to make fifty five thousand dollars to get to zero. To get to zero, forget <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. so going from zero. I would have been, if I could have just been at zero where I was broke and didn't owe any money, that would have been transformational for me, right? But that's a really
1: good point because so many people do have debt and they're thinking about that right now. Right. Like how am I gonna get a leg up and how can I actually like really, like how am I gonna apply these ideas in my life and so, yeah, like count your debt, like count that in, like you can yeah, get to baseline so, and get to zero.
0: Yeah. So, but even in the jail cell as a teen, I, I always said, I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm 35. Now I had nothing to base that on. I just, it was done out of desperation because I was poor and I hated being poor. Right, you see people on TV and they're talking with Oprah or Ellen, and they say, "Well, we were poor, but we didn't know it." Like you're so full of shit, (laughs) because I was poor and I knew it. Okay, and I hated it. Right, so I always said I will be by the time I'm 35, I'll be a multimillionaire, and uh, or maybe I said millionaire. Probably said million. And when did I become a millionaire? When I was 35. amazing. that's amazing because I had programmed that into my mind. Right. And so that's how I feel like the restaurant got seized and the failures I had was because I had this, uh, uh, subconscious programming that, Hey, you're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 35. And then on the conscious level, I was taking actions every day that were against Making a millionaire, right? I was just doing a lot of negative self-destructive things. So these two conscious mind, subconscious mind, they kept colliding together. And as you know, Wendy, the subconscious mind always wins. And because I had programmed that, it caused me to blow up my life, blow up, make mistakes, and recognize, okay, hey. I say I want to be a millionaire, but the actions that I'm taking every day are not bringing me closer to that goal. They're taking me further away from that goal. And that's that's the breakthrough everyone needs to have.
1: Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that. Now, in regard of um, using affirmations, on your website, you have 50, affirmation prosperity affirmations or declarations so why is it that many many times they do not work
0: um i would challenge the premise of that question i would say the better question would be um, why do they take so long to work for some people because i believe they do work and for anyone who's listening or if you're watching this on youtube uh, what Wendy's referring to, I have a free ebook. Uh, I think it's called The 50 Secrets of Prosperity. But you just go to my website, randygage.com. And then with my newsletter, when you sign up for a newsletter, you get that ebook for free. And the newsletter is free, so it doesn't cost anything. So these are just like 50 prosperity affirmations that worked for me. So I put them together in a book to share. Um, But I believe they do work, but they only work when you get them ingrained, impressed in your subconscious mind. Like when you say, I'm going to be rich someday, that's not an affirmation that's going to work for you because it's always in the future of someday. But the affirmation of money is attracted to me like a magnet, which is one of my favorites, that's a present tense affirmation that I'm programming into my subconscious mind right so, so let we, me ask
1: you a couple of questions about this because I really want to go deep on this on this okay. topic um now did you started saying them every day or started saying them like and how did you get well I'll ask the second part of the question after
0: uh I did them every day yeah I, I started like a list I used to journal I would write them I would speak them out loud. I would read them. I wanted to impress them into my subconscious mind as ingrained as possible. I still to this day do that. I say affirmation, right? I've got my first softball practice post pandemic. Tomorrow we're going to start practicing. We're going to try to do the season starting in September, right? So when I'm playing softball, I'm saying affirmations to myself when I'm walking into the batter's box, still today. When I wake up in the morning, I'm making positive affirmations as I'm laying in my bed. I'm making positive affirmations when I'm out doing my walk or a job, right? So, I, you know, I do them still to this day.
1: So because you do them so often, so if somebody just does them every now and then, Right. And then the level of intensity, do you like, really, do you, when you say them out loud, do you have, you know, like your certain voice on, you know, where you're actually in like commanding them?
0: Um, I just feel that when you speak them out loud, it's a stronger programming in your subconscious mind. than if you're just thinking it because you're thinking it and you're speaking it, you're speaking it into existence.
1: Now, for someone who's saying, okay, I speak it, I say it, I'm saying it consistently, but I'm not actually really feeling it. Like I can't, I can't get that feeling going.
0: That's how everybody starts. You feel like a a fraud. You feel like a a idiot when you start. You know, I used to affirm, I am a multimillionaire. you know, at that point, I had, you know, $11.22 and an area rug. <laughs> you know, that was my worldly <laughs> possession. So, you know, of course, I didn't have that emotion, but I still said it anyway. And I got to the point where that emotion got there. Because you, what, what to, to me, I think that the process is, it's a tipping point, right? It's always incremental steps. Right. So in my case, I, my default mindset on everything was negative. So if you said, Randy, let's go, let's go to dinner on Las Olas Boulevard. My first thing is going to be, it's Friday night. It's going to be a long wait. And you say, well, what about the place over? We could go over there. I'm going to say, you know what? There's not going to be anywhere to park. That was just the way I was programmed. Okay. That's the way my mother was. That's the way my grandmother was. That's the way my great grandfather was. I mean, you could track back every generation of my family to whoever came over on the Mayflower. That's how we thought, because that was the reality of our life. And it was all, you know, I was blessed enough to get exposed to self-development. People like Reverend Robert Schuller and Napoleon Hill and uh reverend uh, uh, charles Fillmore and Catherine ponder people like that the unity church uh the science of mind church so i got exposed to that stuff and i bought into it i totally went all in because i didn't like the way my life was working and so i was open to change and so you you go from a hundred percent negative thoughts to negative thoughts. And then it's 90. And then it's 80. And then when it's 60% negative, at least you're open to the possibility that you might scratch off that lotto ticket and win $25. Right? Yeah. And then you get and you've got to get to uh, I did a podcast on this called the uh, the prosperity tipping point, I think it's 51%, 51%, right? When you can get your positive thoughts to 51%, now you've got you now you're pushing the snowball downhill instead of up the mountain. Because um, if it's 51% positive, it goes to 53 and 55. And so like today, I feel I'm probably at 95% positive thoughts that, right. But, and which is a completely diametric opposite of where I started from, uh, cause it had to be at least 95% negative, but it was incremental. It it, it, it happens over time.
1: Yeah. I, I love that because that gives somebody a roadmap that's listening today based on their baseline, wherever they're at so that they can do a math, the mathematics on it and say, well, where am I? And what kind of upbringing did I have? And then, so to start creating that millionaire mindset, that success mindset. And then also you said something really important because you touched on, I wanted to ask you about this as well, about your daily habits and do you have them also ingrained and what are, would you say are like your three to five, like must have daily habits?
0: Every day. I'm big on routines. I believe you don't transform your life. You transform your thoughts. Then your thoughts transform your daily actions and your daily actions are what really transform your life. Right? So do you eat, drink healthy? Do you exercise? Do you practice self-development? You know, do you get sunshine? Do you get fresh air? What's your daily routine look like? So I'm a, a maniac for routines. Um, because that's just how I operate. I do well with routines. Some people don't for me, they, they work good. And so for me, I have to begin my day with cardio exercise or it's not a good day. And if I don't do cardio, I feel like I didn't brush my teeth. Right. And that's, that that's
1: a habit you created. Yeah. That's that's a habit
0: I had to create because believe me, you know, i hate jogging i hate monotonous stuff like uh you know treadmills and those kind you know the the, what do you call the skiing machine whatever they're called um but i just so now i listen to podcasts during when i'm on those now that because of the uh pandemic and the gyms being closed i have to do workout routines at and you know here in my house so i've just you know got some stuff online that i watch that i do workouts um, but if I don't do that so cardio is a, a daily thing for me and then self-development time usually reading or podcast but I want positive you know I want something that grows me spiritually mentally physically um, and then you know eating healthy and and then weight training resistance exercise every day as well so those kind of things those are in my daily routine and that's the only thing that keeps me, sane is doing those kind of things.
1: Yeah, that's been our saving grace through the pandemic. Really yeah. getting outside and getting exercise. And what about visualization? That's well, that automatically that. happens when you're affirming.
0: Yeah, I like to have a dream board with with images of things I want to do, have and become that I don't share, it's not public. I don't want other people seeing it. It's just so I see it. Even if you get it just in your peripheral vision, it's making another impression on your subconscious mind. So vision boards to me are the visual equivalent of affirmations.
1: Yeah, I love that. And so you, do you recreate one every year?
0: Uh, Do you, every year or two you realize, okay, hey, I already manifested a lot on this it's time to upgrade it and make a new one
1: um okay so that's a lot of how to which is really great because so many people are trying to figure it out and they can just take really small steps where do you think the trend is going right now and i know we had this conversation probably eight months ago and you were talking about everything audio online, everything audio, which clearly we are there, audio and visually. Um, Where else do you see the trends going now with this new shift that has happened?
0: Well, I just feel like uh, for people who are speakers, authors, coaches, consultants, thought leaders, political leaders, YouTube stars, people who have a platform, who want to change the world in some way they want to dent the universe you know to alter the course of the universe even if it's only by one millimeter right Um, i feel like people like that are more important than ever Um, that desperately society needs people who do what we do right now i have an event i do once a year for people like that called tribal right? So I'm starting that on Monday for 2020. It's my uh, It was originally going to be in, uh, I think it was March, live event in San Diego and we postponed it and now it's, so now I've created a new version of it that we're doing a lot of virtual stuff in Zoom and then one-on-one coaching and um, what I call in doctor's visits where it's just me and the person working on their thing or hot seats where we're they've got an extended to brainstorm a book they want to write or a new seminar they want to develop, something like that. And what I'm telling and so I'm really keyed into this right now because I'm starting that, you know, we're recording this on a Saturday for you guys who don't know. I'm starting it on Monday, right? Two days from now. Uh, And it's like the coolest event I do every year, all year. I look forward to it every year because it's a creative high for me. Um, But what I'm telling the people in my space now is your work is more important than ever. The world desperately needs you Um, because it's not that the world needs more information. We got information overload, right? Everybody's subscribed to 217 e-zines, 15 podcasts, five newsletters, 10 magazines. They've got subscriptions with Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and HBO and uh you know they're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. They don't need more information right now. They need people who can help them interpret that information and apply it in their lives. And that's that's what so what I'm telling my clients in in those kind of professions is that's what you've got to be concentrating on. like you know I, I, I've got a uh, I i did a speech last Saturday it was going to be for 7,000 people in Oslo well of course live events of 7,000 people were not happening so I did it online and ended up with 20,000 people instead of 10,000 why? Because instead of everybody who was going to be in the convention hall, all their people for that company around the world watched on uh, you know, Zoom and streamed on Facebook, simulcast and whatever. Um, so I had to change some of the delivery mechanisms, right? We're doing things in different ways. So I'm doing events like that. But, but like a big part of my work right now is I'm doing a, a presentation for Five people in a Zoom room. It's the CEO and the president and the VP of marketing and the COO. And and we're talking about supply chain issues because they, you know, their product has ingredients that come from Asia or they're in a country under a lockdown and they can't export or they can't import. And so they're, you know, they're paying me to be a critical thinker, and work with five people instead of speak to their audience of 500 sales trainers. Right? So it's, it can't be about what I want to do. Like, Hey, I have a great keynote speech I can do. They don't care about that. They're saying, Hey, we're in a lockdown. We can't deliver our product. We need to solve this problem. And so they're looking for people who can be a resource for them. And just like all of the people who, who aren't companies, they're just, they're a school teacher, or a flight attendant, or a bartender, or a vice president, and they're trying to work from home and homeschool their kids and um, deal with the whole issue of the pandemic, and maybe their business closed or their job was eliminated. Right? They they're looking for help on how to interpret all of that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, so that is like a lot of opportunity too. It's just different opportunity
0: and total opportunity. Yeah, I wrote a whole book on that, right, called Risky is the New Safe.
1: Yes, you did. Yeah. Uh,
0: and every, you know, every challenge like that has that inherent opportunity in there.
1: Yeah. So the 2 million people that you've spoke to, you know, it over the, over the years is probably going to double during this timeline so it's really a great time. to. I
0: had another one two weeks ago a a company from Mexico and again it was it would have originally been something in Mexico City for 2,000 people and it was about 20,000 people in in like 12 different countries. So um, you know the delivery mechanism might change but um, that's not the important thing. The important thing is the deliverable, what we can, how we can help people.
1: Yeah, and there's so many different ways that we can do that right now. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that wisdom with us today that you can go from zero, not zero, negative, however low, <laughs> to zero, to get to zero, right. to get to the million, to get to the multi-million. And so you're always um, so filled with, with um, a lot of great insight. So thank you, Randy, so much for being here. All of Randy's information is in the description center below. And thank you everyone for being here.
0: All right, thanks for having me on Wendy. Peace everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Do me a favor and practice the circulation law of prosperity